worship Him. The Spirit of God is in this house. There was a man who sat at the pool of Bethesda. And during that season, he would wait for the angel of the Lord to come and he would trouble the water. first one to step into the pool was made whole. The scripture says that this man lived, he camped at the pool waiting for the angel to come and to trouble the water. He stayed there hoping. He needed a healing. And there was only one place he knew that he could get it. It's within a particular season. The man stayed at that pool. He waited for the season to come. And when the season would come, on many occasions, someone else would step in front of him 
and he would watch them get their healing and it would return to continue in the same condition that it has been in. But then Jesus shows up outside of the season specifically for this man. He doesn't heal anyone else that the scripture records at the pool of Bethesda. But the scripture says that it was like the Lord made a special visit to one gentleman in particular to ask him, will you be made whole? And he goes on to talk about how long he had been in this condition and why he was still currently in this condition. But the only thing God was concerned about was will you be made whole? Sometimes we want God to hear us more than we want to hear from him. Sometimes we want to vent more to God than to receive direction from God. But his deliverance, his healing was not in his venting. His healing, his deliverance was in his ability to choose whether or not he willed to be whole. Sometimes things can break your will. You just kind of conform to the circumstances that are at hand. But when the man willed to be whole, the Lord didn't even lay hands on him. He didn't even trouble the water. He gave that man the liberty. He said, take up your bed and walk. There's some of you tonight that when you leave this place, you're going to leave this place healed, delivered, free, full of the Holy Ghost. Don't leave this place whole. It's not even going to be because necessarily someone touched you. It's that you made a choice to agree with what God willed. When your will matches his will. He said, I will give you the desires of your heart according to my will. Some of you are going to walk out of here whole. Would you lift your hands? Heal me, Jesus. Hallelujah. Heal me, God. 
free me, Jesus. Deliver me, God. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity. Thirty-eight years. When Jesus saw him lying and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, But thou behold. The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another step down before me, Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, took up his bed, and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him, That was cured. It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. Could you imagine being healed? And the process that it took 
for you to get your healing was considered unlawful in the religious community. Amen. It was considered unlawful to the religious community during that time for a man who was once bound, a man who was once afflicted, a man that was once considered impotent. To them it was considered unlawful for a man to take up his bed after being in that bed for 38 years. 38 years is a long time to be bound. 38 years is a long time to be carrying anything that God is not the author of. Two days is a long time. 38 minutes is a long time. The Bible says that there was a feast of the Jews that caused Jesus to go up into Jerusalem. And it said that in Jerusalem or at Jerusalem, right by the sheep market, there was a pool. And in the Hebrew tongue, that pool was called Bethesda. And it had five porches. The scripture says, in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk. So not only was this man in this condition, but there were a multitude of people that were just like him. It was a place that represented healing. But there was a bunch of bound and sick and impotent folk that were in need of healing. You don't see much being spoken about those that got healed and decided to stay to help those in the next season to come to receive their healing. But it seemed to be one of those situations that only the strong survived. I don't know if you've ever been bound. but an individual that knows what it is like to be in a state that you know you want to come out of. It is possible to be bound and actually enjoy your condition. It is possible to be bound and, in, and not be aware 
of the chains that you're in. But for 38 years, this man was impotent, desiring to come out. No one would help him. Thirty-eight years is a long time for something the way and warp the way that you think and warp your mind. I've seen where conditions are able to not just warp the mind, but get a hold of the heart and the spirit of an individual. I've seen it where some certain conditions can make one bitter. I remember years ago I was in Pennsylvania. I was preaching for another group of brethren. And they would have me come up once a year to come and do a quote-unquote prophetic conference. And this year they decided to bring an individual who called himself an apostle. He was not no more of an apostle as I am Chinese. But he was a bitter man. He was a bitter man, and the reason why he was bitter was because this man had a physical condition that had him restricted to a wheelchair. This man, when I think of him, I did not think apostle. I think bitter. And I'm not saying he was not anointed. But what I will say is that you felt his bitterness more than you felt his anointing. This man... They had him in, I think I showed up, I wanted to not just show up on the days that I was supposed to minister, but I wanted to support the meeting. So I showed up on the day that he was preaching. And I noticed how this man would call people out. And there have been times where God has had me say things to people that I would say would be somewhat hard to say. There are others that would maybe say that what I said was harsh. But I will say that whenever God has had me say something that one would deem as harsh, God's attempt was to save the individual. Nevertheless, 
this man was calling people out. And his character, his attitude, his demeanor, his presentation, his works was harsh. It was almost like he took pleasure in bringing fear to people. He had control issues. And he got his identity from his ministry. He despised being in his physical condition so much. And he had been talked about God knows how much through school. That this man, instead of him getting healed from his condition, he used it as leverage. And he mixed that thing with how he ministered. And when he would call people out, he was not ministering to them. He wasn't helping them. The only thing he was doing was helping to feed his own ego about himself. I'm sitting in the room and I'm like, God, please, whatever you do, don't let this man call me out. <laughs> I mean, straight up, I was like, God. I was prepared to come and do the meeting, but I was not prepared for what I saw at the meeting. And I have no problem with someone calling me out. But there's a different, there was something else that was at work. And all of a sudden, as was working with the, while this man was doing this, he spoke to a young lady. And as he called this young lady, I mean, he talked about her so bad, about what she was wearing and what she had on and how she had on a slut skirt. That after he got done, that woman immediately ran out the door of the church in tears. Well, then all of a sudden, he looks at me and he says, Prophet, raise your hands. And I was like, what would you say? Raise your hands, Prophet. That's what he says. All of a sudden, I, listened, I looked at him. I raised my hands, and I wanted to listen to what he was going to say. Scripture says, try the spirit and see if it be of God. All of a sudden, this man then begins to, I think he was somewhat 
wanting to establish his dominion and authority, I guess, for the meeting. And in order for him to do that, he's got to come in and make himself out to be the head honcho. And when I perceived what was at work, then all of a sudden he said, Preacher, let me come and lay. He said, come here, because he couldn't walk to me. He said, come here. Let me lay my hand on you. <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm like, uh-uh. He said, prophet, drop your pride. Come over here, let me lay my hand on you. I said, uh-uh. And all of a sudden, the pastor that was running the conference and some of the preachers that were present and the churches that were represented are watching the two key speakers of the meeting <laughs> going back and forth. I felt like that if I submitted to what he was telling me to do, it would cost me something. There's a price that you pay when you submit yourself to the spirit, and there's a price that you pay when you submit yourself to another spirit. Well, then all of a sudden, the man go back and forth and I was like no and then all of a sudden it was like he did some weird stuff and then I said sir do you mind if I take the microphone he gave me the mic after receiving the microphone I began to talk about faith deliverance and the power of God. And I knew that what was at work was his physical condition. And sometimes in order to deal with things, you can't pull it up by the fruit. You've got to pull it up by the root. I was persuaded that if this man that had been wheelchair-bound all of his life that had palsy, if God raised this man up, then maybe his attitude would change. So all of a sudden, I said, brother, I believe that God will raise you up right now to this wheelchair. And now people are kind of going back and forth and they're looking like. I said, I believe that God will raise you up. And I say, as a matter of fact, if you lift your hands up and you will obey what I tell you to do, I said, God will raise you up out of this wheelchair. All of a sudden, the people started clapping and worshiping. His heart was in the wrong place. He became offended in them clapping. But nevertheless, he wanted to 
save face. So he went on ahead with it so that he did not look like what he was accusing me of. And then all of a sudden, as we began to worship God, we laid hands on him. And then as soon as we laid hands on him, instantly, I told him to get up, snatched him up. The guy got up out of his wheelchair, and the man started walking around. Immediately, the church goes in an uproar. Well, when the church goes into an uproar, God healed that man, but his character was not touched. And the reason why I know that is because of what happened next. Brother Isaac, the man looks at me and immediately sits down in the wheelchair. He says, give me my wheelchair back. Give me my wheelchair back. And he immediately sits down in the wheelchair. And he says that if, if he said, if you heal me before my time, God will put another condition on me worse than this. And if God puts another condition on me worse than this, then you a false prophet. Yeah, how do you like those apples? I was like, I'm like, this thing, this is like the first night of the meeting. I just want to fly the friendly skies and go home. I mean, because how are you going to come and preach tomorrow after you done had a showdown like this? After this happened, there was another preacher. He was a he was a bishop of nobody. As and where's Bishop Prick is? No, nowhere. Bishop Nobody gets up. Bishop, I'm sorry, Bishop Over Nobody gets up. And then all of a sudden, he gets upset at me, Brother Middleton. And then we go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and then there's this microphone passing that goes around. If my wife would have been present, she would have been like, George, just leave it alone, leave it alone, leave it alone. <laughs> but years ago, I got a whooping because I ran from a fight. So it was hard for me to back down when I knew I was right. I couldn't let her win. I just, I mean, when you used to be in Rome, all your life, and you have the opportunity to be right, then if I used to stand for what's wrong, then surely I should be able to stand what's right. Well, all of a sudden, the bishop over the meeting comes to the platform. I thought he was done with me because I, I you know, 
And the bishop said, Brother Hurd, I apologize. What's going on? I don't know what's going on with this brother. <laughs> I didn't know where they got these folks from. But nevertheless, he said, I don't know what's going on with this brother. He said, but this will be the last time he ever come here again. He said, I want you to just follow the Holy Ghost tomorrow, blah, 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 blah. The man shows up the next night, next day, in the wheelchair. And to my knowledge, he's never gotten out of that wheelchair again. Because the affliction that he was in and the things that he suffered during the affliction had gotten a hold of him so much that it altered his identity, it altered his character, and it caused him to become wounded, and it caused him to become bitter. His wife, she was really nice. That's how it normally is, you know. People meet my wife, they'd be like, Sister Hurt is a pleasant sister. She's really, she's a really nice sister, Brother Hurt. You, wow. <laughs> How'd you get to her, you know? Like, I was supposed to get a gangster hood rat with tattoos, <laughs> teardrops. Named Bonquisha. That's about your speed, you know. We both can't be gangster, you know. <laughs> I need somebody to keep me from going to jail, not somebody. We gonna blow the spot up. But he was bitter. And and there are people that God will allow to stay in a position or in a condition. Until they begin to deal with their character and their attitude and their spirit. You may not be responsible for the physical condition that you're in. But you are responsible for the spiritual condition that you're in. And you should never allow what is physical that is going on in your life govern what is going on in your spirit. It can have access to your body, but it should not have access to your heart. There are some people in this room that you are getting you are going through a transition. God is moving some things here 
in this church and in your lives. But what he also wants to move is not just the things that you feel are pressing you on the outside. But he wants to move some things that are applying pressure to your spiritual identity on the inside. Why he lives there. Have you ever lived with a trifling person? You ever went over to somebody's house and they wanted to cook you food and they got roaches like they got pets? Oh, don't matter. Don't matter. That, that's Leroy. Roaches got names. Birth certificates. Who said that? Milton. All right. God lives inside of you. And he's not just concerned about you just because he lives there. He lives there because of his concern for you. His concern for you calls him to move into your house. The Bible says, I, pres I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I thank God throughout the years we've traveled. We've been blessed and people would put us up in hotels and people would put us up in evangelist quarters and they would house us in guest rooms and I've slept in children's bedrooms and I remember one time in particular I was in a bedroom and they wanted the preacher to come and they wanted the guests to come but I promise you, it did not feel like I was in a children's bedroom. It felt like I was in a dog's bathroom in a cat's litter box. And I remember being in that room, studying and being on a fast. And it was stinking so bad I started itching. Hey, funny. That tickled your funny bone. Let me see you go stay in there. I started itching. My wife has a allergy to cats. She starts sneezing and 
eyes start watering and all that stuff. And they weren't supposed to have had cats. But you would have assumed that if an individual had someone coming, they would surely be given to some form of hospitality. That if you clean up your house because you are having company, then what much more would you do if Jesus is coming to your house? Don't you think you would clean up your attitude? Don't you think you would clean up your spirit? Don't you think you'd clean up your conversation? Why? Because the Holy Ghost lives on the inside. The Holy Ghost dwells on the inside. Present the body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Why? Because God wants to. It's my reasonable service. And the reason why it's reasonable is because I'm not come I didn't bring him here to do me for me to do him a favor. He came to do me one. So if he's holy, wouldn't it be reasonable if the holy one of Israel has come to deliver me, come to set me free, come to be that paraclete, that comforter, that one that goes right alongside with me. Wouldn't it be more reasonable to cater to the holy one by making sure that your vessel is holy unto the Lord? Making sure that your attitude is holy unto the Lord. Making sure your conversation is holy unto the Lord. Making sure that you're not sowing discord. That is unholy unto the Lord. The Bible says. This impotent man was there and there was also a bunch of blind folk. And there were also people there that were halt. And they were withered. And they were all waiting for a move of the Spirit. Have you ever seen someone die before their time? You ever seen someone die and you're like, whoa, what happened? Like someone that seems like they got the rest of their life in front of them. And then all of a sudden God comes and just snatches them out. That's how the Lord showed up with this individual. God can show up in a way that he can snatch you out of this world and snatch you out of life and then also God can also show up and snatch you right out of death he can snatch you right out of sin 
He can snatch you right out of destruction. He can snatch you right out of chaos. He shows up in the moment where it looks like you're done, the moment where it looks like you're finished, the moment where it looks like it's over. He shows up, and now you're sick, and now you're healed. You were once bound, but now you're free. You were months in chains, but now you're liberated. This man had a condition, and it's one thing when you were never, weren't always in the condition that you're in, and then your life circumstances happen, and then life is altered by the condition. It's another thing when you were born in that condition. Because what happens is that it is amazing that if we have not died out to self, whatever happens to your flesh has direct impact on your heart and spirit. If you have not died out to self, whatever happens to your flesh will always have direct impact on your heart and your spirit. What prevents that is death. Well, the thing is, is that the Lord has showed up. And the season for healing is not now. The season has already passed. Or the season may be coming. But the season is not yet. But God doesn't always move within the seasons that we determine. But what happens when God shows up and knocks and says, you know what, I've come to perform something in your life tonight. I've come to deliver you from something in your life tonight. I've come to set you free out of something in your life tonight. What happens when not only does he need to deliver you, but he may have to deliver you from the thing that's kept you bound. You can be bound, but why are you bound? You can be in that condition, but why is it that maybe you're still in this condition? Are you blaming someone else? Should you lift your hands towards heaven? I am concerned. Put your hands down. I believe this is a season for great transition for many of you. However, I am concerned that if you don't deal with some of the root issues that are in your life, you will prematurely make a decision 
outside of the timing or the will of God. Some of you are bitter. There's some of you in this room that you are bitter. A lot of times bitterness can go undetected because it doesn't always have fruit. But it can surely have a root. We talk about the root of bitterness, but what about the seed of it? What about the fruit of it? A lot of times people say, well, Brother Hurt, I'm not bitter. And that's because they're judging the fruit. But it is possible to be bitter with no fruit. All you need is just a little root. Years ago, before I got married, I used to help my friend who cut trees for a living. And one day, there was a little small evergreen tree bush in the yard. He said, man, we got to rip that thing up. And his stump grinder wasn't there either. So I was like, man, I'll just pull that thing out the ground. Wasn't that big? I tried to pull that thing out the ground, almost pulled my back out. So then what happened was we took a chain and we wrapped it around the bush and all that stuff and hooked it up to the pickup truck, tried to pull that thing. You know that thing was tougher than the pickup truck? Now when I think about it, it was a Ford, but it would have been a Chevy. You know, Fords can't handle that kind of stuff. But he couldn't pull it up because the roots were stronger than the force that was trying to pull the truck. It had joined legions, allegiance to the field and the dirt that it was in. That the dirt didn't want to release it and it didn't want to release itself from the dirt. One thing about bitterness is that the root of bitterness will make a covenant with your heart. That when you try to uproot it, your heart will defend the bitterness and say, no, you're not going to let that thing go. That heart will bind, will bind together to keep bitterness on the inside so that you don't rip it from the outside. But come, come to tell somebody in this room tonight that God said, I want to deal with the bitter issues of your life. I want to deal with the bitter issues of your spirit. I want to deal with the bitter issues of your heart. The heart will let you take what's on the surface. But it will not let you relieve, will not let you take what is beneath the surface. Bitterness 
circumstances. I remember a kid I went to middle school with, and also, I think we went to high school together, but I know for sure he was there in middle school. He might have been there the freshman year in high school too, but this guy was just, for him to be a middle school kid, he was just bitter. He was so bitter that his, he thought it was his looks that attracted the attacks. But it was his attitude that attracted the attacks. All of a sudden, this man was so, so bitter. I, one day I looked on Facebook. I was like, add such and such as a friend. I was like, well, the dude, whatever he looked like on the inside became his identity on the outside. So I went on ahead and I was like, man, I don't know if I want to fool with the dude, but I was like, that's not the Christian thing to do. Make him a friend. I made him a friend. And lo and behold, everything he posted was bitterness. Bitterness can change the flavor of something. All you Kool-Aid drinkers out there, you know what I'm talking about. Bitterness can change the flavor of something. That if you put something bitter in something, it would be like, man, what's in, who made this? Who made the potato salad? Who made this? Something just ain't right. How many times do we worship? We prepared it unto the Lord, but God can't receive it because it's coming through a vessel of bitterness. Worshiping with a heart full of bitterness. So what God does is God will allow you to stay in a thing long enough. To choose whether or not you're going to deal with the weightier issues or the weightier matters. Because generally whatever you're dealing with, what you see on the surface is not the issue. Have you ever went through something you're like, oh God, oh God, I need you to take care of this now. I need you, Lord, to move this thing right now. Lord, I know this ain't your will. I know the devil is a liar. You go through all that stuff. And the Lord's like, no, the devil is at work. I agree. But I've contracted this out. I sent the messenger of Satan to buffet you. 
sometimes when you're being buffeted, it seems like it feels like you're being buffeted. He's going to eat at you. He's going to mess with you. He's going to work on you until you get enough humility about yourself that you start relinquishing the things that do not belong. See, you got to understand your heart will defend the very thing that God says it's time to go. I've seen it where people, where God's like, listen, I'm ready to give you this deliverance. I'm willing to give you this breakthrough. I'm ready to break you out of this thing. And the person been crying. You know, they've been saying, we've been praying. We've been singing, Lord said, we've been doing all that stuff. But when it comes down to the nitty gritty, it is time to put your foot to the pedal and do something. You can't capitalize on the decision that is being made because you don't want to let go of the thing beneath the surface. You'll let go of everything that's above the surface. But when you start dealing with the root, You have to damage the covenant that the root made with your heart. This man. Got his healing. And went back to his wheelchair. Poor wife was looking like, you know, like, no, he didn't. I mean, because, bro, man, he wasn't no small dude. So I'm quite sure he probably, she probably got to help pick him up and carry him and help wash him and do all this stuff for him. And she been praying to see this day. And then he turned around and get in the wheelchair. Yeah. Thank God he's from Pennsylvania because if he would have been from Post Road in Indianapolis, them sisters would have left him. <laughs> you better get out that wheelchair, Leroy. <laughs> Devil is a lie. There are some of us in this room this morning, this evening, that God wants to get you out of this thing. But you don't want to confront yourself. This man is bound. This man is impotent. 38 years. Jesus shows up and says, will you be made whole? And he starts talking about everybody else. There's some of you in this room that God wants to take you to that new place, but you can't quit talking about everybody else. As long as everybody else is the issue, you'll never deal with the roots that are in your heart. You've got to take responsibility for the root. Listen. You may not be responsible for what was sold, but you are responsible for what you receive. 
You might not be responsible for the seed that was cast, but you are responsible to what your heart receives. You are responsible for what you come in covenant agreement with. That's the reason why a person can come to an altar and the wind blows and all of a sudden everything that was on the tree was just blown off. You could cut that thing down to the base and you could walk out of here and say, man, I feel different. I feel free. I feel delivered. I feel like everything's gone and everybody looks at you and says, man, you look different. Something's different about you. Let's see, God says man looks on the things of the outward. God looks on the things of the inward. He looks at the heart. The Lord's like, listen, I know you got the fruit. I want the root. I want the root. You feel like somebody's holding you back. You feel like somebody is holding you back. That surely if these men are here, it is their responsibility to help me to get in the water to be whole. They weren't responsible for you getting in that condition and they're not responsible for you getting out of that condition. As long as you keep empowering the people that offended you, you will never be able to walk in the power that can liberate you. You got to learn to let them go in order to embrace the one that is able to bring you out of the thing that's got you bound. You can blame your mother, but that's not going to do anything for getting out of this situation. You can blame your father, but, but it's not going to do anything to get you out of this condition. You, you can blame your preacher. You can blame your pastor. You can blame the bishop. You can blame the whole team. It's not going to get you out of that condition. Only thing it's going to do is justify the reason why you are in this condition and justify the reason for staying in it. Why settle for an excuse for staying in when God can give you truth that can bring you out? Quit settling for your excuses and start embracing the truth. He said, you will know the truth and it will make you free. Amen. Somebody in this room, you, your problem is, is that you're, you're talking too much. You and your wife. 
to just talk too much. And because you talk too much and you've made your wife your sounding board instead of the Lord, you feel like what she said, what she, you feel like that when she receives what you say, then that's confirmation. When the only thing she does has done has embraced and walked in the same identity as you because you're one flesh. God says, tearing down someone else's motive to build yourself is not a way to build your house and not a way to build your marriage and not a way to build your ministry. But tear it down yourself. You want to build something? Tear this flesh down. You want to build something? Tear your attitude down. You want to build something? Tear some things down that pertain to this flesh. And God will call something to grow. He said, let the corn of wheat fall to the ground and die. It abideth alone. But if it dies, it will bring forth much fruit. can be dangerous. Even wounds that come from friendly fire. You can be wounded by the devil and you can be wounded by certain things that happen even in the church. But it's your choice of whether or not you're going to live offended. See, if you conceive and you hold offense in your spirit, the fruit of that, the offspring of offense is betrayal. The scripture says in the last days, many shall be offended and will betray one another. Offense is something that will increase in the end times. But you must have a love for one another greater than your ability to be offended by one another. 
Because your offense will expose someone's sin that you are offended by. But love will cover a multitude of the sins of people that you are offended by. The Bible says, by this men shall know that you are my disciples, for you shall have love one to another. But many of the churches are known for having bitterness one to another than having love one to another to the point when people think drama, they think church. When people think scandal, they think church. When people think toxic, they think church. When Jesus said by this, men shall know that you're mine because you're going to have love one to another. What do you mean? That means uh, that what you do is that you don't harbor in your heart and harbor in your spirit the things that maybe you should go to an individual about. If you are going to people in your family, if you're going to people in the church before you take it to the individual that you have an issue with, the more you sow that information into somebody else, the more you water the bitterness in your own heart. For every time you use someone as a sounding board for something that offended you, or every time you harbor that thing in your heart, all you're doing is watering the root. You're giving resources and nutrients to the root that needs to be destroyed. That's why God has a way of dealing with offenses. He said, if you've got a problem with me, bring it. To me. So if you got a problem with your brother, go directly to your brother. <laughs> oh, but but he's so difficult. Go to him. He ain't gonna receive it. So what? Go to him. We got we we've got a we've got a way to deal with that. Uh, I know somebody that did that. It ain't working. What am I gonna I, I went to him already, it ain't working, I'm leaving. And the moment you leave, he can get delivered and get free. But you just walked off with something growing and you don't even know it. Have you ever been bitter and didn't realize that you were bitter until the explosion happened? Some of you didn't know that you were bitter until you got married. Some of you didn't know you were bitter until you started having children. And it started it starts impacting your relationships. See, bitterness will always find itself impacting the people that you have relationship with. And because you're bitter at something that someone else did, you make somebody else pay for what somebody else did. But Jesus said, I paid it all. He said, I'm your deliverer. I'm your healer. I'm your redeemer. Sometimes 
what you could be bitter by and something that has occurred, you may be right about. Because usually sometimes when a person is bitter, it is because something has happened to them that was unjust. And they felt like justice was not served. And because a thing was considered unjust that was done to them, they conceived the bitterness in their heart. Tonight, God said, Will you render unjustness, injustice, injustice for injustice? Or will you go through the biblical procedure to deal with issues and disagreements so that you can not only protect yourself, but you can also protect the integrity of your home, the integrity of your body, of the body, the integrity of the ministry, the integrity of your family. You lift your hands. The scripture says, if you have an offense, you take it to that individual. If they don't, but when you take it to them, you have to come to them not because you just want to be heard. Your desire to be reconciled must be greater than your desire to be heard. Now, they have to hear you. But some people just want to be heard more than they want to be reconciled. You don't believe me? I remember when I first got married, one day my wife was talking about something. Somebody said something that, you know, said something about her and, you know, she was concerned about it and she came to me and she was talking and I thought maybe she was wanting my input on what she was talking about. And she was telling me all this stuff that she was, what they said and I was like, okay, well, in my mind I'm taking note, like I, I can see some of that, but, you know, 
I'm a helper. So she got done talking. I began to, you know, I said, Tasha, I think if you do this, that, this, that, this, I was like, you fix that. I was like, she was not, she wasn't lying to you about that because you do that, you know. I've seen that happen and started, you know, <laughs> helping her out, you know. I mean, it's a quick fix, you know, solve the problem, you know, go to the doctor, you know, you see the problem. I was right there, you know, just take two Advils in the morning, you'd be good, you know. I thought, you know, like, yeah, you got this and got that. that that's simple. That's it right there. Take care of that. And all of a sudden, she looks at me like I'm attacking her. I'm like, what do you mean? What, I mean. Are you bad? Are you good? You all right? You all right? What's wrong? Did I do, did I do something? I mean, what was it? I mean, are, are you mad at me about this? Seriously, you mad at me? Man, listen, I mean, I mean I, I've been trying to tell you. Some of y'all in here like, <laughs> you should not have did that. <laughs> but doesn't God do the same thing to us? But sometimes we come to God. Sometimes God does this. He'll listen to you. But we don't leave, we don't stay there long enough for him to give input. We just want a shoulder to cry on. We don't want direction to move in. Just listen to my problems. Uh, After about, you know, some hours that went by, and I go to bed, you know. <laughs> hey, what am I in a bed with a snake? <laughs> and I. <laughs> Get over here. Are you mad? I'm like, no, we ain't going to bed like this. Bible says don't let the sun go down before you're at. We ain't going to bed. I don't care what time you got to go to work in the morning. You ain't going to bed. No, we we going to bed happy. <laughs> She's probably watching this right now. <laughs> if you're watching this, Tasha, text me. She she said to me, she said, George, I was not coming to you for you to tell me what you felt like needed to be done. I wasn't coming for advice. I was coming because I needed somebody to listen to me. 
I come to tell you that that attitude does not bring unity in the church. Did she just text me? We love you. I'm preaching. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Lift your hands. No, no, keep them down. No. She says, I, 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 I'm not, I'm not, and she was here, she'd be, you know, smiling, laughing, like, you know. Y'all know my husband, pray for any piece of work. <laughs> the thing is, is that we know how to, we would rather prevent a headache than keep peace. Some of you men would rather settle for not having a headache than settle for peace. And the Bible says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. If we don't have an opportunity to address certain issues, then we're not having peace. We're just having tolerance. And we bring that attitude into the church. We bring that attitude, we bring that attitude, that type of spirit, that mentality into the church. And when we bring that into the church, you know what we do? When I got an alt, I'm not really trying to reconcile. This ain't even about what's right. My ways are right. My feelings are hurt and you're wrong. That's final. What is the judge? Your feelings are the word. That the Bible says in the beginning where your feelings and your emotions and your feelings and your emotions were with God and they was God. All things were made by your feelings and emotions and without it was nothing made. He didn't say my feelings and your, your feelings and your emotions will go forth and will not return back void but it will accomplish what it is set out to do. It says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. Your feelings is a butter knife. His word is a two-edged sword. Either you're going to be governed by your feelings or you're going to be governed by the word of God. You want a Jezebel spirit to get in the church? You want a Jezebel spirit to get in your home? Start submitting the feelings and stop submitting the word and you have a Jezebel on your hands and then we're going to have a Jezebel in the church. But I've come to tell you what happens. The Jezebels, they get their heads cut off. They get thrown off the house. They get thrown off the rooftop and the dogs consume her. Can I talk to somebody tonight? If you've got people, you're going to have conflict. And if you don't want conflict, why would you get married? You're going to have
have conflict marrying God. And you're going to have conflict in marriage today. Why? Because you got two personalities. You got two lifestyles that are coming together as one. But God said what has to be the governor is the word of the Lord. We've got to be able to go to the word and say, okay, how do we handle this? What are we going to do with this? How are we going to handle this issue? How are we going to handle that issue? We don't look to the government to tell us how to handle our issues. We look to the word. The word is our governor. The word is our the Bible says a word is our light. The Lord, the word of the Lord is a light lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. You will lead yourself right in the darkness. Going in the opposite direction of what his word says. That puts a demand on the word that brings light in the midst of darkness. Conflict, consistent conflict, and leaning on God's word will help you to walk in the light. But if all you're doing is leaning to your own understanding... And all you're doing is finding ways to harbor a fugitive called bitterness in your heart. Then what happens when that bitterness starts producing fruit? See, I believe that the fruit of the Spirit is not just for you. It's also for those that will come and lodge at your tree. It's something to give, you know. It should be some meekness that should come. I mean, if we're in the church, we surely should have, you know, man, why? You know, you got some folks, you know, man, you know, don't, 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 you know, but I heard, you know, you talk to that one, but be, be careful about that one, man, you know. She, she, you know, she vicious. Sister Vicious. Brother Bulldog. Brother Bulldog and Sister Vicious. The Dog Pound family. The Pounds. They say, man, don't, don't, don't be careful how you deal with her. Because. And she'll, she'll, man, she'll rip you. she cuts you down one side, not the other. God is like, I want you to desire. I want you to please me, desire to please me so much that you ain't doing stuff just to be spirit. You know how it is. You know that, that one saint that would cuss you out in the world? Some of them try to cuss you out in church. They just be like, well, God bless you then. <laughs> Praise the Lord to you. 
I didn't come out of what I came out of to deal with gangster saints. <laughs> Crip walking saints. Well, since you look up, we should have enough humility and a love to desire to please God that we want to be so close to His Spirit that we'll honor His flesh. Listen, Isaiah, Isaac, oh, my bad, keep calling him. Isaac, somebody come to you and be like, man, we're going to have Brother Isaac laying hands on everybody this weekend. Bring everybody this dumb, deaf, everything. Bring him. He's going to lay hands on him. He's going to get healed. People are like, all right, you know, I don't know. You might come. You might not. But if Jesus shows up in the same flesh that he had, y'all receive him. When the same spirit that was in that body was the same spirit that's in Isaac. But some people have more confidence in the flesh of Jesus than you got more confidence in the spirit that was in Jesus. When Jesus said, the son of man doth nothing of himself, only what he sees the father do. The spirit, the, the, the flesh, the son did not take any credit for what the spirit did. He said, it is not I that do the work. He said, it's the Father that's in me. It is he that does the work. We should have enough honor for the Lord that when we come in contact with the flesh that bears the presence of the Lord, we would honor one another. Why? Because we don't know each other after the flesh. We know each other after the spirit. You know the ones who love God because they love each other. If your love is not reaching your brother, if your love is not reaching your neighbor, your love is not reaching God. So now you're lame, you're impotent, you're blind, you're withered, you're halt. And God's ready to heal you. But even at the point of healing, you want to talk about everybody else. What they did. What she did. What he said. Are you going to let your past rob you of another 38 years? You've got a moment right now to get up. You got an ability to determine right now. This man did not realize that he was empowering these people to keep him bound. When all Jesus did show up, he didn't he didn't put, help them to get in the water. He didn't push him in the water. Right. He didn't roll him. He didn't push him in the water. See, get up. 
take up your bed. Get out of here. Get up and go. Some of us have just got to learn to let the day change. When Jesus shows up in your life, it's the beginning of a new day. And if you don't let Jesus separate you from yesterday, how are you going to walk in your tomorrow? There are people in this room tonight. God said, when you walk out of here, when you walk out, when you leave here, you're not going to leave here lame. You're going to leave here free. Somebody's like, well, man, I'm a, I'm a burn the, I'm a burn the bed. That bed give me bad memories. You can, some of us. He would have said, take up your bed and walk. Some of you'd be like, oh, you keep it, Jesus. I'm gone. Because see, some of us don't like the memory of what happened. But God says, if you're going to move forward, you need to be able to face what happened. In a godly manner, in a holy manner, in a manner that is not self-destructive. Can you face what happened in a healthy way? Will you let it go and not just let it go? Will you let it go with the right attitude and the right spirit? Why? Because ultimately... I want to be whole. There are those that are transitioning. Where you're standing out today will not be where you're standing at three months from now. Great transition is coming to you and your family. The doors are open and you're going to walk right through. But the thing is, you want to make sure that while you're transitioning, you don't just get what you want. But you want to make sure that you've gotten rid of everything the Lord does not want you to carry. Because if the root is still there, it'll grow back up again. And you don't want to be in your promise with an intruder. You don't want to be in your promise uh, with an adversary. You don't want to be in your promise land uh, with something that should have died in your wilderness. So what do I have to do? Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. There's some of you right now, you're going to do one of two things. You're either going to rise up. You know, he talks, Jesus talks.
dude talks to Jesus about those fellas that was there that could have helped him, but they didn't. <laughs> Sometimes people, they, 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 they start, they, they get frustrated and they start snitching. And they, they, he probably wanted Jesus to have a conversation with the folks that were there. You've seen this guy be here for 38 years. <laughs> huh? Yeah, you see that guy here for 38 years, and you didn't do nothing to help him? Shame on you. This, this is my guy right here. You haters. You don't want to miss this moment waiting for God to show your haters something. He's more concerned about why your haters are even an issue to begin with. Why is it that the word of your haters have more influence over your spirit than the word of the Lord? Your haters are just running in their mouth. God said my word is forever settled in heaven. They can't unsettle what is already settled. But it is to show you that God's word is not settled in your heart. It has not planted itself like you plant roots of bitterness. You have no problem. You know, have no problem. Soil's fertile for bitterness. But it doesn't want to come into covenant with what God said. You know why? Because your, your heart just don't love it. And sometimes you got to fight that thing. You got to fight with it. And so you know what? No, we're going to receive this word. We're going to dig up all the stuff that does not belong. We get rid of this. We get rid of that. We get rid of this. We get rid of that. Because the Bible says be fruitful and multiply, replenish, subdue, and have dominion. If you're going to go to that next place in God, he's going to want you to be fruitful. And you can only sow what's in you. And if you're going to have revival in the new place that he's taking you to, you got to learn how to die out in the place that you're in right now. And so you know what? I'm going to let some stuff go. I'm going to quit apologize. I'm going to quit demanding an apology from the same person over and over again. I mean, how would you like it? You got baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, filled the Holy Ghost, and then somebody in the church does something that you did years ago and the Lord remembers that and all of a sudden he shows up at your bed at night. Like, what you doing here, Jesus? Oh, no. What's wrong? No, I'm just still haven't gotten over what you did. Haven't gotten over what you said. You know. I, I thought I thought I, I I thought we was 
beyond that. Yeah, but, you know, still take me time. They told them at the gate called Beautiful, he said, freely I, I have received, freely I give. Take up your bed and walk. Church, if you have received something from God and it cost you nothing, then you have a responsibility to give what you have received and don't make anyone pay for it. Quit making people pay for what they did in your past when God's not even trying to make you pay for what you might do in your future. He has made atonement in such a way. He's already shed blood in such a way that even if you have an issue in the future, he said if any man sins, he has an advocate with the Father. And who, If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. Quit keeping record of people's wrongs and start keeping record of what the Lord did was right and you can come out of the mess you're in. Your husband ain't Jesus. I ain't hear no wives say, come on. Your wife ain't Jesus. Your preacher ain't Jesus. The man of God ain't Jesus. I'm offended. Why? He didn't do it perfectly right. Okay? He never declared to be Jesus. Quit putting demands upon people that God has in place. But whatever meat you measure, be measured back to you. So lift your hands. We're going to get out of here. Middleton, there have been times where something happened, and I really, I don't feel like talking to nobody. I'm upset. I just, I'm processing everything. My wife's sitting there in the room. She's like, you good? Man, you won't believe what happened. 
What happened, man? This joker, man. I did such, 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 such. I ain't fooling with him no more, man. He, he, such, 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 such. And what I've done, because I took something to her, I gave her something that belonged to someone else, I have violated her mind. I have violated, I have planted something in her that was not for her. Then there have been times where I'm like, you know what, man, I ain't got time. I'm, I'm going to go to Jesus. Hallelujah, glory. Lord, you're worthy, Lord, you're amazing. <laughs> and the Lord's like, what are you doing here? Start trying to talk in tongues. <laughs> when you done, what are you doing here? Listen, don't be come talking to me. <laughs> you need to go talk to him. Has the Lord ever told you that in prayer? What you here for? Don't be coming to me with that stuff. No, man, you need to just go park it, go on over there, call him, take care of that, and then come talk to me. Don't be dragging me into something. That's your brother, right? What you trying to do? You trying to divide me from your brother? I love him more than you could hate him. That's your brother. You go to him. I went to him, Jesus. I'm coming to you. No. You need to go, go, go quit dragging me into this stuff. Go get somebody else. Don't be coming to me. Go get you somebody else. You went to him. Yeah, He didn't receive you. Okay, don't come to me. Go to somebody. I told you what to do. Go get you somebody else and go to him and see if he'll receive both of y'all. Well, Jesus, I can't. What's you here for? I told you don't be coming to me. I told you to bring, did you bring somebody else? Yeah, he didn't receive us. All right. You brought a witness, didn't receive a witness. Bring him before the church. You bring him before the church? No. Well, don't be coming to me. God is not going to circumvent his process to satisfy your pleasure to go around this process because of your feelings. Or because of your impatience. And sometimes because of your bitterness. Because some of us would rather go be by ourselves and be bitter. And be divided. Man, we good. You know. Hey, man. How's that church coming along? Man, oh, man. You know, they cool, man. We good. Man, you ever? Man, oh, man. Yeah, you coming. Man, when, when you sit, man, don't sit next to Brother John. Sit next to Brother Larry, man. You know, man, Brother John, man, he been tripping, man. You know, he good, man. We cool. We, we just, I don't fool with him. He don't fool with me, you know. We'll be safe, you know. You both, you lost. You lost. You about as lost as a right foot being cut off the left leg, off the right leg. What makes you think you can be saved 
and being isolated? What makes you think you can be saved in rejecting the body? If one of your members decides to cut itself off and reject one member of the body, God says you need to get rid of this. You know, well, you know, we said, you know, we talked. Praise the Lord. Bless you, sir. Bless you. Praise the Lord, sir. God bless you. So you dip out. Honey, how was church? It was cool. We, you know, we had no problems. You know, he didn't fool with me. I didn't fool with him. We're good. United in one building doesn't mean that you're united in one spirit. Tonight, if you have an alt with someone. Don't even bring a gift to an altar. If you have an alt with someone, you need to get it right. Your intent cannot be, well, I just don't want to go to hell. Your intent must be, I want to please God. I want to please God. And then after you go through the process of saying, I want to please God, I'm not going to go because I want to be heard. I want to be reconciled. You'll win more people in the church that have offenses when your desire to be reconciled is greater than just a desire to be heard. Because what happens when the person that offended you and didn't know that they've offended you has repented. Has repented. But it's a fresh wound. Now what you're going to do, you're going to go to them and try to inflict upon them the pain that you've suffered? You got to let them know how bad they hurt you, how bad they wounded you, so that you could put them on that guilt trip with something that they repented of already? It's time to let things die. How are we going to do it? By faith. By faith, Abel presented to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. You'll either make sacrifice with your brother or you'll sacrifice your brother. Are you willing to sacrifice to save your brother? Or are you willing to sacrifice your brother to save yourself? Lift your hands. Stand to your feet. If there, before you talk to God, 
and start worshiping him. If there are people that you are offended with right now, or there's people that you have an alt with, or someone has an alt with you, church, right now is a good time to go and talk to them. You don't need to look at nobody else if you are looking at other people that's your pride. Stuff happens. And if there's things that you're, people that may not be here, grab your phone, send them a text, and say, I need to talk to you. To talk to the Lord. You that are not going to other people, you that have no one that you need to restore relationship with, I want you to begin to talk to the Lord and say, Lord, if there's any bitterness that is in my life, any bitterness that's in my heart, Lord, I pray tonight, Lord God, that you would take it out of me. I want to be whole. Come on, church. above all, through all and in us all. Come on, church. It's time to let some stuff die. Come on, because I've seen bitterness make people sick. I've seen people hold on to stuff, and it keeps people in a state of bondage that God's like, it's time for me to bring you out of. Come on, he could have freed you from this months ago. Some of us are dealing with stuff he could have freed you from years ago. Come on, but your bondage, your your bitterness made a covenant with your heart. That bitterness made a covenant with your heart. And because it made a covenant with your heart, it stands in agreement with the afflictions and the bondage and the infirmity that's on your life. And in order to get rid of that, you've got to address the covenant. Come on, even witches are even able to do things in your life when you enter into covenant with them. That's why you don't receive gifts from just anybody. That's why you don't just eat anybody's food without praying over it. That's why you don't take things from everybody. Why? Because when you receive a gift from certain people, that is a covenant agreement. When you receive gifts from people who operate in the occult, there's a covenant agreement, and you give them access to your house. 
Come on, that's when crazy stuff starts happening. That's when you start having some crazy dreams. That's when you start experiencing crazy demonic attacks. And you're trying to figure out, well, how did this thing gain access? You need to check the ones that you entered in the covenant with. Come on, there's power that comes with covenant. And we need to stand in covenant with the Lord. We, we need to quit getting in covenant with things that are fruits that are not fruits of the spirit, but works of the flesh. We got to get out of covenant with witchcraft. We got to get out of covenant with bitterness. We got to get out of covenant with lust. We've got to get out of covenant with lasciviousness. Come on, we've got to enter into the covenant of the Lord. We've got to enter into agreement. Come on, we've got to be in covenant with one another. Hallelujah. That's it. Come on, that's it. Hallelujah. That's it. That's it. Purge my mind, God. That's it. Because tonight when you walk out of here, you're going to take your bed with you. Come on, you're going to take your bed, you're going to take up your bed, and you're going to walk. Come on, the impotence that you have is, is gone. Come on, you're not leaving here with that. Come on, some of you, you've got some physical issues. You've got some physical illnesses. Come on, if you're battling some physical illnesses right now, if there's any bitterness that's in your heart, relinquish that unto the Lord and then take up your bed and walk. Come on, what you got to do is say, you know what? I came here and I came here blind, but when I leave out of here tonight, I'm leaving out of here with both my sights. Come on, when, when I walk out of here tonight, I'm I'm walking out of here with my ability to feel my legs. The paralyzation is leaving my body. I'm going to be whole tonight. Come on. God wants to make us whole. He wants to make us one. Come on. The enemy wants to afflict the body through division. Come on. But God wants to unite the body that we can walk in the vision that he has called us to. Come on, you don't want to make your future pay for your past. But Jesus paid for your past to deliver you into your future. When you make your future pay for your past, you make everybody that is in your future pay a price for what happened to you in your past. Come on, you can't, you can't be what your mama was. You can't let your children pay for what grandma's daddy and grandma did. Come on. You got to let, maybe you got to let what happened with your mom, maybe you've got to let that go. Come on, maybe you've got to give that to the Lord. Maybe the thing that happened with your dad, maybe you've got to give that to the Lord. Come on, there are many of you right now, you're like, Brother Hurt, this is tight, this is, this is, this is rough, this, this is hard. Come on, you know why? Because your heart is entered into covenant with that. But, but will you remember the covenant of the Lord? Will you remember the name of the Lord? Will you remember the blood that he shed? Come on. He brought you into covenant to deliver you from that old one that you were bound by. That's it. 
করছে deliver me god from the bitterness that's it there you go come on there's breakthrough that is happening in people's hearts right now come on there there's some people in this room you get ready to you you get ready to go go right dead smack into a trap but because you're confronting the bitterness that's in your life God is going to redirect some things. Come on. The enemy had some things set for you. Come on. There's some things that were set and you weren't going to be able to see it. Why? Because you weren't walking in the word. And therefore the word was, and because you weren't walking in the word, there was no illumination for that pathway. But tonight, God is opening up your eyes. God is opening up your understanding. You are aware of the decision that you have to make tonight. And you're going to make that right move. You're going to make that right decision. And you're not only going to just bypass this trap, but God's going to let you see what you're going to miss. Come on. God's going to let you see with your own eyes. What you missed because you decided to be reconciled. You decided to be one. You decided to confront the bitter issues that are in your life. Come on, some of you were damaged because of mama's bitterness. Some of you were damaged because some grandma's bitterness. Some of you were damaged by some random man's bitterness. Some of you are damaged by somebody else's bitterness. And when a bitter act is sold under someone that did not deserve it, they impregnate that individual with a heart full of bitterness. Come on, but somebody in this room has got to say, you know what, I'm relinquishing that. Come on, I, I, I despise that. I reject that. I resist that come on I, I, I go against that come on I, 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 I stand against that I do not stand in agreement I reject that come on I receive what the Lord has done Come on, church. Keep talking to the Lord.
unstoppable. That's it. I'm going to be whole. Come on, I've got to be whole. Huh? Come on. Don't hold on to something that God is willing to forget. You don't hold on to the things that God wants to forget about. You hold on to the things that God wants to remember. You don't hold on to people's faults and faults. You hold on to promises, not problems. Holy God. Come on, some of you may be dealing with a situation where you say, Pat Preacher, the person that I've got going on, they're not even alive anymore. Come on, the, the, if that's you and you're like, Brother Hurt, I'm, I'm battling some things and the people are not even alive. If that's you, I want you to come to this altar right now. You say, Brother Hurt, I, I, my bitterness is with somebody that's dead. My, my issue is with somebody that's dead. That's it. There you go. I want to be free. Come on, that's it. Keep coming. I want to be free tonight. I don't want to live in this state that I'm in, God. Come on, church. Come on, bitterness is a covenant agreement. And there are some people in this room, they're struggling right now with the covenant they've made because covenants were not made to be broken. Covenants are not made to be broken. The Bible talks about in the last days, it says, without natural affection, he said, and they're, they're, they are also truce breakers. Come on, the enemy wants you to hold on to that covenant. Come on, there are people right now, they're wrestling and they're battling with the covenant of bitterness. But, but we are one body. Come on, we need some people in this room that, that maybe you're not in disagreement with anyone. Maybe you're not dealing with any bitterness, but somebody else is struggling with that. And, and right now, they need the prayers of the saints to begin to intercede somebody that's spiritual that will come and maybe stand around a few of these people that are here at this altar and say, you know what, I'm going to stand and we're going to touch and agree with this. Come on. Come on. Because right now, it'd be different if the person was alive. The individual was alive. These people have come because they've got somebody that's dead. It's one thing when I can make a phone call, but how do I get rid of something that I can't talk to them anymore? Come on. How, how can I... How can... How, how can I reconcile? It, it's easier to get rid of the bitterness when you've got someone to reconcile with. But what happens when there's no more room for reconciliation because that individual's dead? Come on, tonight in the name of Jesus. Come on, we're going to reconcile with the promises of God. Come on, there's some people in this room, you're wrestling with the guilt and the condemnation of holding on to something. 
Come on, some of you in this room, you're wrestling with the guilt and the condemnation of holding on to something. And not getting that thing right before that person died. And now what's happening is you're now tormented. You're, you're caught between two opinions. Come on. You're caught between two decisions, two opinions. But tonight, in the name of Jesus, there's liberty, there's deliverance. Hallelujah, that's going to hit this house. Come on, there's a deliverance that's going to hit this house. Come on, there's a deliverance going to hit this house. There's a deliverance that's going to hit your house. There's a deliverance going to hit your children. Because when you uproot this, you're going to uproot everything that's in your bloodline. Come on. Everything that connects with this has got to go. Come on. It's got to go. Come on. When, when, when this thing gets uprooted, you're going to notice something's going to uproot itself with your children. The way you respond to your children is going to be different. Why? Because something was uprooted. Come on. The way you respond to your spouse is going to be different. Why? Because something was uprooted. Something's going to happen in your ministry. Why? Because something beneath the surface is going to be uprooted. Come on, the enemy is using the areas underneath the surface as leverage against those things uh, that are above the surface. Come on, but when you go into the spirit, when you go into your heart and you begin to uproot that stuff, something begins to break. And tonight in the name of Jesus, there's a breakthrough that's happening. There are miracles that are going to happen in this house tonight. That wild things are being broke up. While old covenant agreements are being destroyed. The healing and the miraculous that comes with the new covenant will replace the destruction and the confusion that comes with the old covenant that you were bound by. But the power and the authority that's in the name of Jesus, we seek deliverance. And break through upon this house tonight.